everyone. We're back to do another Voices of AI, and uh, I think we've got one of the more fascinating people that we've covered so far, uh, Demis Hassabis. Uh, one of the reasons I'm excited about it is he somewhere is in the neighborhood that I live in. He's got a very interesting background. It's, it's as being a, a chess prodigy at age four, he's developed games and, and had his own companies. DeepMind came out after his PhD studies, which I know he did at Cambridge, UCL, I think Harvard, MIT are also involved. He's got It'd be easier serious... to count the, the Ivy <laughs> Leagues he didn't go to. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's got, if you consider workplaces and universities as stamps in a, a passport, He's got some very strong stamps in of credibility, but his background is just fascinating. And obviously what he's producing and the recent, very recent news as we're filming this of Gemini and it's what it can do and where that could lead AI, I think is going to be an interesting part of today's conversation. Yeah. I think, uh, starting from the beginning, it's like, clearly this kid was just a, a prodigy in all types of intelligence, not just, uh, chess, but Generally, he loved games. I think like one of the stories is he saved up for, like all his chess winnings. He saved up for some sort of like Atari or something like that. And his parents couldn't say no because it was the money he made because of chess. And he got accepted to college super early and, and even was like forced to take a gap year because he was like too young. Too to, young. To, yeah. to, I think to he was there. 13, 14. Yeah, and Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory looked like a, a dunce. I know. Although I, I don't know how much you actually watched his interviews. Maybe he was different younger, but he's a very humble, well-spoken, yeah. nerdy guy. You don't get the sense like when I compare Sheldon, I feel like his character's on the autism spectrum. He can be not pick up on social cues, whereas. Demis, if you just started talking to him off the street, I don't think you'd know that he's one of the smartest people in the world. Yeah, he, he's very relatable. Absolutely true. And you can just see down to earth, right? Yeah. And humble, You can. it's apparent. Sometimes you watch people and their talks and so forth, and you, we all have subconscious impressions. This is somebody you just genuinely are, you like it, and you walk away impressed by, knowing what he's been involved in. Yeah, very understated. And it's really yeah. interesting to see his progression from chess and then eventually spending some time in uh, the field of game development and how that has very much formed what he's become today and the approach he takes to AI, really embedding game theory and games in how he, he has built a deep mind into training these AI, he turns everything into a game for the AI so that it can learn or, or self-learn. I think it's also fascinating. When I first started getting into the AI jazz this past year, I focused so much on the technology aspect of it and less right. on the neuroscience aspect of it. And then I realized that like all we're really trying to do is recreate the human brain using technology. And he definitely came to this realization you know, much earlier than I did, because after all this game and stuff, he went back to get his advanced degree in neuroscience and cognitive neuroscience yeah. and behavioral neuroscience. So it's clear that he was recognizing that early on as well of what better place to think through how art artificial intelligence would work 
than by looking at human intelligence as that foundation. Yes. Yeah. And and fascinating enough that he's published a paper that won scientific awards. He even claimed for that year, best science breakthrough of that year. And he's got a, a very keen interest in memory loss and amnesia and, and things like that. And reading a bit further into where his role is now within Google, DeepMind was bought for a pretty astronomical sum, 400 million I've seen, or if not more. So the, it's not just DeepMind that they, they bought it for, it's him, literally. Yeah. And because he's now got another thing within Google that's called Isomorphic Labs, if I remember the name correctly, which is uh, where Google is trying to embed AI into healthcare and biotech. And they, if you look at his Twitter feed, he doesn't post very often there, but he posts his most major breakthroughs. They've done something with protein folding. We're all worried about AI eliminating life because of its super intelligence. He's now got me somewhat worried. Whoa, they're teaching it how to do protein folding. Proteins are the base of everything in life. What is the AI going to create that might be a living being? And where can that go? And going back to his work with neuroscience and dementia, having known some people who've had parents and such suffer that awful ailment, where could AI assist in that? Yeah, you know, it's going to be a fascinating stuff because we know AI can help in medicine. But this is one of the first times I've seen that it's being applied to specifically for the brain, the human brain, right? How can we help medicine for the human brain? It's not just analysis of cancers and things of that nature. So I, that's why when I let out with the opening, I find it just fascinating where he, him and his work could lead. Yeah, it, it's probably worth going back in time a little bit to talk about AlphaGo, AlphaZero, AlphaFold, yes. and how all that works. So chess, they beat the AI, beat the best chess master. And so then that set off some other people trying to do other games that are were supposedly impossible for computers to do because I think in chess, it's like the number of moves. There's more number of moves than there are atoms in the universe or something like that. It's even more so with Go, uh, a simple-to-learn game, a very difficult-to-master game. And how they went about doing this and to deal with that is you have these two systems working together. You have this intuitive system that has either trained itself or has been trained on all these games of Go. And then you have this more analytical system, strategic system that acts as sort of the critic for that intuitive system and thinks through what are the, the branches if I were to go forward. So... I intuit this set of moves would be good. Let's play out those moves. And then we pick the, boast, the best tree of moves based on what's going to open up the best possibilities in the future for us is how it works. Mm -hmm. so I then thought just it was just in a sense calculating permutations constantly. Not that it was also forward thinking. Yeah. So that's what made it. And this is what was crazy is so AlphaGo was trained on like a bajillion, all historical games of, Alpha, of Go. Alpha Zero was the next iteration, which was actually, it just played against itself, essentially, using this technique of intuit what are the best things, and then like looking forward, branching out, what's going to, what has the most utility in terms of branches, what keeps the most positive possibilities for me in the mm -hmm. more near to long term. So then they, th that's how Alpha Zero was created. And now they're just applying this same sort of methodology to everything, which is where Alpha Fold came from, which is the protein uh, yes. technology you yeah. were talking about. 
And this has essentially made it so a bajillion PhD theses are no longer needed because all it's doing is figuring out the way to fit and fold proteins together to get the sorts of molecules and things you want for different applications. And I didn't as catch we've on talked that about, the alpha name was carried over from the AlphaGo work. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the, but you brought up a good point of there's this incredible positive side, which is, okay, maybe we can just solve all disease in not that long of a time. But it's just a matter now of like, how are we picking out the proteins that will work, mm -hmm. not having to figure out how they fit together. Yeah. But then there's also, okay, we can make bioweapons with that. We can engineer pandemics if we really want to. And but it, it is like an arms race, right? Because with that also comes, it's easier then to manufacture an antidote of some kind. But then also the timing, it's as we learned, a pandemic's going to move faster than we can approve like a vaccine. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's messy, but I think ultimately, and it's also crazy that for AlphaFold, it's, that's just free. That's totally open source. They made it available to everyone, all, all researchers and scientists. That is easily a thing that Google... Could have been like, hey, you have to pay for it or you have to give us your information or, or something like that. And it's not like that. It's again, but we're going back to, I think, what it will be apparent in, in almost any time you speak about AI, right? There's serious pros, serious pros, but there are some very existential threats within <laughs> it as well. And Demis is somebody who's spoken out about that a couple of times. In fact, I think he's noted for saying AI should be right there with nuclear weapons and how we look at it and so forth. It's, again, it's one of the reasons that you, you have to genuinely admire the guy, right? Because he, you can see there's a pragmatic approach to, to what he's trying to bring and where Gemini could go take just the general public is going to be, and businesses and so forth. I think it's going to be a pretty fascinating space. Mm -hmm. the, the quick side-by-side -side comparison that Google puts on that, that Gemini blog, them compared to ChatGBT, you can see power and from everything that happened in the Sam Altman fiasco about his leadership and in out and back again and it seems like that's really heavily around computing power and so forth and, and this Gemini seems to have already started to address that so Google had been behind the count for a while all of last year everybody said oh no it's Claude it's open AI yeah you play the part and you're like no no thanks but it'd be very interesting to see where this is, is like the space race, if you remember that. Have we just kicked into, we knew there was an AI race going on, but is this just put it into overdrive? Because you know, uh, it didn't take long for Anthropic after a hundred thousand token announcement by OpenAI. Yeah, it was like the next come back, week. What was it? Yeah, next week. Oh, we got 128. <laughs> we got 200. It just keeps going up. I think, uh, you know, after the Sam Altman fiasco too, like I have a little bit more trust in DeepMind as an organization. I don't know. Because of its stability and leadership. Well, well they've been, they've been doing this, you know, for, for a while now. And, mm. and I feel like it, they actually, so they're not set up like open AI is where they have this like nonprofit that owns the comp, the LLC or whatever. But they're set up similarly, like when they originally signed the agreement with Google, they essentially gave DeepMind themselves full control over things and yes, yes. or no. Although yeah. the interesting thing that's happened is when that emergency button was pressed by Sundar, 
what he did was he absorbed DeepMind more in a more integrated way because DeepMind really was like operating in its own silo. Like Google had its own AI team that was working and yes. focusing on these yeah. things. And it just got to the point where they needed to, to integrate them. And there was definitely some, some difficulty there because the part of the reason that happened was because in in Google itself, they have a very capitalistic mind. They want to make money, right? And so that's going to drive some difficult conversations around the responsibility and ethical use, whereas DeepMind yes. could put their foot down and say no. So obviously now there's they've brought that tension into Google proper, and I'd be interested yeah. to know behind the scenes, like what are the conversations that are going and how much power is Demis really going to be able to maintain moving forward? Yes. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. That's, it's a very good point. Playing kind of the critic, pessimist uh, line of thought. He's a VP only in title. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is shocking when you think they bought his company. How is that? Yeah. Maybe he's you know, decided he, he wants less of a, a hands-on leadership role, and that's why that title exists. But who knows? It's sometimes in very corporate companies, that kind of stuff can play out in you know the wrong way because of titles. Um, well, well, I mean, you see it like when we just compare Sam Altman to, to Demis. Sam Altman has been hitting the road, right? He's done like a, a million different interviews. Yeah. He's out there talking to the public. Whereas Demis, not so much. He's been behind the scenes a lot more. If you talk to him, he'll talk and, and love listening to him. But there's a lot less of him out there, out in the public, than Sam, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Sam just get named uh, CEO of the year by Time Magazine or something? I, I thought I saw I don't that know. I didn't see by, that. So I'll check while we uh, continue talking. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, you know... It, you did mention one thing. You said Sundar hit the emergency button. And is there a story there that I'm uh, unaware of? Take it all with a grain of salt. But when ChatGPT dropped originally near the beginning of this year to to the public, more broadly, Google freaked out and like literally said all hands on deck. I don't know if literally, but more or less said all hands on deck. This is an emergency, an existential crisis for us potentially, because yeah. if we don't uh, catch up, search can might become obsolete, which is what we base pretty much our entire business model on. Gotcha. It's created I a thought, rush. I thought there was something. Sure. Yeah, I thought there was something that you were referring to in the sense of security ethics, all the things that people keep calling out that need to be watched uh, and monitored. But yeah, to that is, point, so it is. I don't Bing was considered a huge threat just because of them incorporating open AI earlier on than what Google has done mm -hmm. with Bard. No, sorry, you were about to say, yeah, I was just going to say one thing that I appreciated, although maybe a little embarrassing for Google, is they were planning on releasing the full suite of Gemini like this month and. They had to postpone it because they were finding issues. So mm -hmm. I do wonder again what was going on behind the scenes, but I do appreciate them recognizing that they were about to ship a product that was very easy to jailbreak. At least the stated reason is that just by prompting it in a different language to do terrible things, 
it would respond to you pretty regularly without much safeguards in place. So I do think, I imagine Demis was probably somewhat behind that of, look, we need to push this off. This is a real security concern and probably want to compare themselves to OpenAI in the opposite direction of that, of let's wait until our you know, product is able to withstand some of these easier adversarial attacks. I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing space when you consider what these companies were and what the, this product of theirs can take them. I'll give you a, it's not a fair comparison, but it's somewhat of an analogy, right? Everybody knows Amazon for retail, largest retail place in the Western world in many regards. But it's actually AWS, the cloud stuff that they do, that is really the bigger revenue driver for their business as a company. And is that what's going to happen with AI? Um, I got a feeling in many ways, yes, in the next five to 10 years. Yeah, the server farms are for Google and Microsoft. That's how they're all making a lot of money. It's almost become a utility. Like people need it, need the cloud to be able to run everything. Right. And they're like the ones who are like the cable companies, right? Who own all the and manage all the phone lines and all that kind of stuff. So it's <laughs> infrastructure really is key, man. Very yeah. key. Absolutely. AI is just part of the creature that habitats it. <laughs> yeah. What else would we want to leave our viewers knowing about them? Check this guy out. Listen to just one interview with him. He's just so great. He's just such a great intelligent, thoughtful, deliberate guy. And I am happy unless something terrible comes out about him. But I feel happy that he is at the forefront of this. He's one of the people I feel like if, if you want him in the corner of developing AI responsibly, he's a good person to, to be there. Hopefully he'll start speaking more that we can get more of his thoughts and, and understanding of where this field is going because He's, he's got some really cool stuff and remarkable things that are happening under the hood at Google that would be wonderful if more of it was shared. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Eldad. Always a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>